0: Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Now, I believe there are 10 major forces and factors um, that enable you to increase your prices. I believe there's over 30 ways to force your prices up. Of course, as long as there's a market for it, there's value created to sustain it. um, That should uh, go without saying, but most people that follow me are startup and scale-up entrepreneurs, and they're very keen to know how to create a fair exchange environment which is to increase your prices, but in a a market that can sustain that in a way that you don't dramatically lose business. So in this uh, podcast and live video, I'm going to share with you 10 different factors and forces at play that will help or have a big part in increasing your prices. Now, a lot of people say it's just about your self-worth. Believe in yourself and put your prices up. Uh, Your self-worth equals your net worth. Well, I do believe that to a certain degree, and I do believe that's one of the factors, but there are other external factors too. So I'll come back to that one in a moment. So you can't deny the first major factor is the marketplace. And a lot of people are stuck in a marketplace, either physically or in their own head. Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. Let me get rid of it. (coughs) Ah. There you go. He's gone. <laughs> so a lot of people uh, like you're a solicitor or a broker and you feel like, well, the fees are set. Well, that, that's because you're uh, re- restricted within a marketplace. So if you've chosen to be in that marketplace, which is more of a commodity based marketplace, you know, you can only charge a certain amount of money for a pack of peanuts, for example. Then that's the market that you've chosen to be in. So you either need to disrupt that market uh, revolution, evolve in that market evolution well, you need to get into a different market. But of course, markets, you know, with um, regulation or lack of regulation, with the uh, forces of competition and innovation, improvement, disruption, evolution, revolution, all the factors of, of a free market, they do control and regulate price. Um, and the markets do that as much as the regulatory bodies or, or you do that, because the competitive, um, the, the elements of competition uh, force the If the price is too high, people go with your competition. If the prices are too low, there won't be enough profit margin. Um, So the elements of a marketplace create that. So make sure you're in the the right market um, uh, or disrupt that market. Okay, now um, there's different ways to increase your prices. There's the incremental price rise, like if you're a property investor and you have tenants, you're probably better off putting your rents up 5% a year than you are for waiting 10 years and putting it up 50% because you'll probably have tenants leave and they probably wouldn't, um, wouldn't be palatable to them. Um, but incremental price rises um, in, in, in small but regular doses mean that your clients probably won't leave you over that. Of course, you've got to factor in things like inflation, which uh, essentially erodes the value of money. Therefore, you've got to put your prices up in line with inflation for your prices just to stay the same. Now. There are various companies like Apple who, um, you know, now charge twelve hundred pounds for an iPhone, or Dyson who charge five hundred pounds plus for a vacuum cleaner. Now, do you remember this was probably fifteen, twenty years ago, where you could get the very best phone, like the the Nokia's or the Motorola's, you know, the really expensive ones? You could get them free if you ch- just took a twelve or eighteen month contract, and you and you were paid thirty pound a month instead of twenty pound a month. So. The phones, even though they had a physical value, they didn't have really a value in the marketplace. The value in the marketplace was the subscription, Um, whereas now the phones have a value in the marketplace and you'll pay a thousand quid, twelve hundred quid, fifteen hundred quid for a phone. So there's proof there that the market can be changed with disruption. A vacuum cleaner used to just be something that was a household um, appliance. Now it's like a fashion accessory. Look at me with my digital Dyson. Ooh, look at me vacuuming with my five hundred pounds Hoover. Um, notice I said Hoover there. Um, so it is possible to disrupt um existing marketplaces which seem to be co- commodity based. I.e., prices are set. Um, retail is um changing, and a lot of retailers have obviously suffered. Thomas Cook went recently, didn't they? Um, But I know someone who's massive in retail. He was the biggest retailer in Europe in in this class. He was turning over billions. And he says now for retailers to survive, they have to offer services as well as products. I don't know if you bank with Barclays, but if you look at how Barclays Bank have changed, you used to just go in and do transactions. Now they've got loads of staff. They've got fancy seats. They've got different areas. They're trying to give you more of a service, not just a product. And that's how they evolve and change the marketplace. You can do that, by the way. I hear a lot of people say, oh, well, Rob, uh, increasing your prices, it's fine, but I can't do that because uh, I'm a mortgage broker and everyone charges the same fee and the, you get the same fee back from the, the lender and you can't charge anything else. And that's the way it is. But of course, if you off, offer different services and you treated your clients, give, gave them an experience rather than just a commodity, then you can change that market. OK, the second element is competition. Competition is part of the market forces, and it does, to a certain degree, dictate your prices. Because if you're way above your competition in terms of your prices, um, that may not be sustainable and people may go to your competition and therefore you lose business. If you're way below them, you may not be able to make margin and compete with your competition or they they may be perceived better than you. So your competitors are, uh, they do have relevance. I I don't necessarily think you should copy them. I think you should watch them. I don't necessarily think you should uh, ignore them. I also don't think you should necessarily just do what they do and be driven by them. I think you've got to have a balanced view. But often when people say to me, oh, Rob, I'm going into an industry. I want to be a coach, a consultant, a trainer. I want to set up an e-commerce business. I have no idea what to charge. And one of the exercises I get them to do is to go and research all your competition and work out, okay, what's the cheapest? And what's the most expensive? Because there'll be a a range. It's unlikely you can push beyond the most expensive yet. Then you think about what's your position, which I'll come to. And then you start at a certain point in, in in the range between cheapest and most expensive. And then you look to build yourself up to the position that you want. If you think about watches, for example, one of my passions, uh, I guess a Casio, you could probably get a Casio for 20 quid or some kind of digital watch for maybe even cheaper than that. And then you can get Patek Philippe for 100 grand or Richard Mille for 250 grand or watches for a million quid. And, and that's the range. And if you look at any marketplace, I've got a pair of speakers here. Um, they're uh, Wilsons I won't tell you what the prices are But you go and research Wilson speakers um, They start at 30,000 and they go up to a million quid Or you could probably get a pair of speakers for 50 quid Or a little Alexa thing for 30 quid So look at the range in your in your competitive marketplace And what the competitors charge Start where you're at And look to build the position that you want to be Do you want to be um, high margin, low volume Therefore higher end Do you want to be um, higher volume Therefore you probably have to be lower price That's for you to think about Okay, and then your positioning is the third element um, of increasing your fees. So if you want to increase your fees, you want to increase your position in the market. So Audemars Piguet um, are a very high end um, watch brand and they have a Royal Oak model, the um, Chronograph, which really is the competition to the Rolex Daytona. Uh, And maybe 10 years ago, you started to see quite a lot of people selling their Daytonas and buying um, Royal Oaks, which were more expensive. Um, And then I don't know if it was a strategic reaction to this. I don't know the head of Rolex to be able to comment, but I, I noticed Rolex changed their positioning strategy whereby they dramatically increased the price of the Daytona. They took the Rolex out of Leslie Davis and, and Beaver Brooks and other jewelers, you know, so they, they, they weren't as well present on the marketplace. And I believe they made a very strategic position, uh, position change to try and be up there more with, say, Patek Philippe and Audemars Piguet, as opposed to being a, a rung or two below. Uh, and that's quite a brave move in some ways. But it probably paid off for them because, I mean, their prices have gone up and up and up now. And there's waiting lists of sort of five and ten years on a lot of their watches. So you can earn more money and increase your prices by changing your position in the market, by increasing it, going to a a higher level of brand. Uh, You have to be careful with that as well, because if you try and do that and you're not, look at what happened with Lexus. Um, So Lexus are uh, uh, Toyota's high end. Look at what happened with, um, you know, Fords that were 30, 40 grand back in the day. You could get like, you remember the Ford Granada and the Ford? I'm Scorpio. Um, They were like 30, 35 grand. And back then you could buy a a brand new Jaguar for that that kind of money, you know, an XJ6. And they bombed. And the Lexus has had a lot of problems because essentially it's a Toyota. So it's like, you know, the emperor's new clothes or forgive the somewhat crude analogy, but polishing a turd. You can't kind of um, that doesn't always work. So you've got to think about that positioning and how can you move up into the higher position? Okay, then the fourth element is your experience. Now, when you start, you don't have experience, but of course, you have your whole life um, and you can transmute experience. So people often think, oh, well, my experience is only relevant to what I've done in the marketplace. Um, But actually, that's not true. Your experience is relevant to what you've done your whole life. Uh, And what have you done that you could transmute experience from your life into your your work, your art? Um, My previous experience in art has quite a big impact in the creativity um, of my property-related business. My previous experience in property creates a great story for me helping entrepreneurs because it's obviously part of my entrepreneurial journey. In fact, me getting fired from my job, which actually started Progressive back in 2006, six seven, is still a part of my um, experience to build the story. So don't forget what you've done your whole life if you're starting out in a new niche or new business and you don't yet have the experience because you can transmute and bring that experience across. But of course, if you have got experience in your niche, you need to let the market know that. You need to create that in your story. Um, And um, the better your experience, not just your experience, because a lot of people say, oh, well, I've been in the industry 25 years. I know someone who's been in property for about 20 years. They've been in property a lot more than me. And I know for a fact they don't have more than 10 properties because they told me how many uh, they could prove on land registry. And if they had more, they would have said that. And they're a bit of a critic as well. Um, whereas I've bought hundreds of properties in less time than them. So it's not even about the time in the market, it's what you've done. But you need to get that in your marketing and your messaging and in your story um, so that then you can then increase your fees because of that. OK, then the next one, what we're on about, number six, is, of course, your reputation. Now, no one's reputation is perfectly clean. Um, everyone makes mistakes. And actually, no matter who you are, you're going to have haters as well as fans. But the, the best you can preserve your reputation Help people care, give good value, do the right thing, manage your online reputation, um, you know, try and deal with um, disruptions and challenges, legal cases and trolling and criticism in a relatively elegant way. Although you have to defend your position sometimes and not allow yourself to be bullied. But your reputation is obviously huge. um, So if you can manage that well. And manage your emotions and and, and be good at PRing yourself, if you like, and doing the right thing frequently, even when people aren't watching. I think that will really help with, um, you know, increasing your prices. The better your reputation, the more people will want to come to you, the more cues there will be for your restaurant or your bar or your club. Um, So kind of your reputation precedes you and it's often your best marketing um, strategy. So the next one is the one that it's not just all about, which I said at the start, which is self-worth. And a lot of people say, oh, your self-worth is your net worth, including me. Um, But I believe your self-worth and your network and your niche in your industry all link to your um, net worth and your pricing. So if you've got any fear of, sorry, if you've got any like self-doubt or that you don't feel you're worthy, um, you know, or you you feel a bit of a fraud and all these um, sort of emotional things, um, then you've got to look at how can you fix that? How can you believe in yourself? Um, Because let's be honest. Human beings have amazing capacity for doing miracles on a daily basis and doing amazing things. So why are you any different? If you believe in humanity, you have to believe in yourself because you are a human being. So, um, you know, increasing your self-worth, forgiving yourself for the mistakes you've made, forgiving others who you perceive have wronged you, which is holding you back and, and down, getting rid of that fear of putting yourself out there and being judged, etc., all linked to your overall self-worth. You grow that and then you can increase your prices. Um, there is, a, a, of course, a balance in everything we discuss because if your prices are so high, because you believe so much in yourself that your prices are going to be high, and then you don't get any clients, that's just delusion. Okay, the next one then is proof. So if you've got client testimonials, if you've got accreditations, if you've been in the media, um, if you've had referrals from people, anything that proves what you do works. And recommendations from others, endorsements from you know maybe famous or successful people. You want to use that in your brand, in your marketing, and in your messaging. I often say that actually your best salesperson is not you, or your best salesperson. Your best salesperson is the person that refers you, your testimonial, your case studies, the people who speak highly of you. Um, so to that degree, um, you want to get proof of what you do, um, and. Sometimes people will recommend you. Sometimes people will leave you good reviews, but there's nothing wrong with trying to encourage people to do that as long as it doesn't break any rules of, you know, various sort of um, review sites. Um, but, yeah, you've got to focus on getting referrals, testimonials and getting good social proof. Um, the next one then is the scale of the problem solved. The bigger the problem you solve, the more you can charge for it, the more pain it relieves and eases. I mean, look at the pharmaceutical industry. Look at drugs. You know, the you could charge huge prices because of the pain that it perceives to relieve. So if you really solve a big problem, you're going to be able to uh, charge very um, significant fees for that. The next thing is scale. If you can scale um, to from local to national to intercontinental to global to intergalactic, then, of course, you can increase your fees through social proof, through reach, through volume, Um, Now, the more you care to solve the problem for your clients, increase your value, uh, increase the level of service, know what the problem is that the client has. Coca-Cola used to be medicine and then actually it became a refreshment because that seemed to be a better function for it. Post-it note was a failed glue. It kept falling off and they were trying to get this glue that stuck. And then they realized it solved a better problem. So you're always wanting to discover existing problems new problems and better problems in your niche. And then you can increase your fees or create better, more relevant products and services. And then the final one, which is actually, I believe, the single most important thing in the elements of pricing and hopefully increasing your fees. And it's linked to solving problems. And it's linked to discovering new problems. And it's linked to the right product and service. And that is value. Value is the single most important thing. The more value you create, you get a better fair exchange environment. Fair exchange environment is they pay fees willingly and with gratitude. You have a fair profit margin so you can sustain and exist in the marketplace. And you charge enough that you make a fair profit margin that you're also grateful to give the service. And when you have that fair exchange, grateful environment, that's when um, you know, you're able to grow your business. You get recommendations, referrals, etc. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, I can't put up my prices. It doesn't work in my industry. Uh, so it's a commodity based industry. Uh, if, I priced, if I put my prices up, then I would lose all my customers. They're thinking about it the wrong way around. They're thinking about putting their prices up first. So if you think about increasing the value first, what extra add-ons, services, etc. can I provide? I mean, Netflix are what now? A ten or a month? Something like that. Uh, But how much new content a day are they putting up? And what's the quality of that content is improving and improving and improving. And actually, if you think about now the quality of content on Sky and the quality of content on um, Amazon Prime and the quality of content on Apple TV, that's all gone up. The rising of tide lifts all ships. So actually, the improvement of value in your competition, which increases the entire marketplace, actually benefits you. But if you seek to care, to listen to your clients, to interview and review and ask for feedback for your clients and work out what they really want and what they really need and give more value, then you can increase the prices. You know, so people who are winning in, you know, Airbnb style businesses and service accommodation aren't just banging their prices up. They can't. What they are doing is providing better accommodation. Uh, and, and um, you know, the interior design is better and the service is better. And they're asking their clients what they want from the service and they're offering add-on concierge concierge, and concierge, concierge services. And, um, you know, uh, almost like I'll drive you here, I'll drive you there, I'll store your luggage, I'll do all this kind of stuff for you as part of the service. So then they get longer bookings, more bulk bookings, um, and they can charge that premium. So. That is the vital elements of pricing, the 10 main areas that influence pricing that you can put up. Now, I wrote um, a a document, a list of the 31 ways um, that you can increase your prices, the major factors and forces and the things that can trigger you to increase your prices. And I've just shared that in the supporters program. So my supporters program is where I provide my higher level um, premium content, if you like. It's a new uh, feature from Facebook Um, Only a few influencers in the world have this functionality. Um, uh, The link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. Um, That's the latest article I've posted there. I'm also about to post um, an event invitation for supporters and a supporters meetup dinner afterwards. I'm doing content in the supporters Facebook group five-ish times a week now. I'm doing an Ask Me Anything Live coming up in the next few days in addition to all manner of other benefits that I offer in the supporter program. It's a tiny monthly investment. In fact, it's pretty much the same price as the cost of coffee I get in the morning. So it's bit.ly forward slash RobSupporter with a capital R, um, where you can find um, the 31 ways to increase the prices um, in your business, in any business. Uh, Now, of course, you're not going to just read that and triple them immediately, unless they're only one third of what they should be. But if you take in all these factors, you will be able to increase your fees with relative ease. Um, my mentoring fees back in 2008 were £2,000 for a year. Now they're £50,000 for a year, and I have about 90 um, clients that I mentor, and my mentoring is pretty much always oversubscribed. Um, and I feel confident that it's worth that. Uh, my clients' results prove that, and the referrals that I get prove that. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to do that without understanding all these forces. Um, so if you want to get that, it's bit.ly forward slash supporter with a capital R. And I'm uh, about to finish my next book. And a future book will be all about increasing your prices and fees and the, the, the elements of the marketplace that allow you to do that. Um, working title, increase your fees with ease. So keep your eye out for that and make sure you join the supporters program. We've got amazing things going on, an amazing community. We meet up a lot. We've got three or four meetups booked in the next few weeks. So it's not just premium content for me, it's not the Ask Me Anythings, the access to me, etc. Um, it's the community, the support, the, the, the little revolution that we're creating with these 2,000 or so members. And I hope you become one of them. Uh, thanks for tuning in and remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.